0: Welcome to Living in the Stacks, the bi-weekly podcast where we curl up with a good book and discuss what we thought of it. I'm Melody. I'm Max.
1: I'm Dex.
2: And I'm John. Diana's not with us, and we are no longer bi-weekly. We're to goodness. We're a monthly schedule.
0: <laughs> I can have <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a life. Oh.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the time uh, y'all are hearing this readers will it'll be the year 2019 it'll be the future
0: oh. do we have flying cars yet well to be fair it won't be the future for them it will be literally the present we are the only true. ones who are living it's the true future it's a time capsule
1: yeah true yeah <laughs> really wouldn't we be living in the past
0: eh. but we'll be living in the stacks regardless
3: hey
0: <laughs>
2: Uh, See what you sp- did there Speaking of living in the past It was Max's turn to pick Good's theme for the cycle And what did you pick, Max?
3: We are doing historical fiction Or at least fiction that's based on true events
1: A.K.A. depression Yeah
3: <laughs> How many <laughs> examples depression? can you find Of the human race being garbage?
2: All of them
1: All of the examples <laughs> Everywhere <laughs>
2: Nothing but examples, but Melody starting us off. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: what 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 depression did we read today, Melody?
0: We read "When the Emperor Was Divine" by Julie Otsuka. Cool. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Some World yes. War II. <laughs> I've always.
2: Concentra- I, uh, I don't
0: know. I've always been fascinated by this particular era of history, just because. I don't know. I think it was when I was in middle school. I had, you know, like you learn about Pearl Harbor and that's kind of where they stop teaching you about anything else about Japan. It's the only thing you ever really get taught. And so there was just, like, this big mystery around Japan to the point where my stupid middle school self, when 9-11 happened, we had just learned about Pearl Harbor. And I, I told my friends, like, I bet it was the Japanese. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Lord. It was so bad.
2: <laughs> oh, honey.
0: Yeah. Oh, honey. I know. So bad. Like, it's just, I find that there's a real lack of education regarding mm. the Japanese side of the story and just that whole era mm-hmm. and you know, having been a Japanese major in college, um, just finding out more about the the historical context from that era, I've I've always been fascinated. So I was like, well, let's put Japan and historical fiction into Goodreads and see what pops up.
2: <laughs> that's the thing, though, is that that's a true thing for pretty much every side. It, you know, it's true what they say. History is written by the winners, and hmm. since and so, America decided. Well, we don't need to talk about all the context for why the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor or any any of like the you know they only save that for like college kids. And so you go into college thinking the you know, Japanese are just assholes came and attacked us, and then we kicked their ass. And then you realize, oh no, wait, it's actually way more complicated than that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it's just. It's almost like the American education system is broken or something.
0: womp womp. <laughs> it's like I get they can only teach us so much, but you know. So like I didn't need to learn about the Revolutionary War 10 times. But, right. <laughs> like I learned about right. that a lot. I learned about the Civil War a lot. And
2: even then what they what they taught us about the revolution, we have to relearn about the Revolutionary War cuz what we were taught is wrong because even like the last, um, uh, the new season of Adam ruins everything is going uh, on again, and the last one was narrated by Chris Parnell from SNL and uh, Archer mm-hmm. and whatnot, and it, he was the narrator for like his animated history, and it's like he was gonna re- tell us all of the stories that we love to know about history, and then Adam pops animated Adam pops in and corrects him on all the stuff, and like all and just like with. All the stuff we know about the Re- American Revolution is wrong. Everything we know about, pretty much everything, everything is wrong because we. Everything
3: you know is wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so how about you tell us about this Julia Tsuka?
0: Yeah. So, Otsuka. um, yeah, I've I've been saying Otska. I assume, uh, somewhere around those parts. <laughs> <laughs> you it's hard Japanese with Japanese teacher. because there's never there's not really accents in the language, and when when you mm-hmm. when you do people's names, you tend to put more accents in it, so it, it's weird. So I say Otsuka. Um, with emphasis
2: on the wrong syllable. Otsuka. Emphasis on the wrong yeah. syllable. So
0: anyway, but she was born and raised in California, so you know, near and dear to the the setting of the book. Um, she studied art at Yale and then turned to writing fiction at the age of 30. So she got um, her Master's of Fine Arts at Columbia. So good schools in there. Um, She has received so many awards, uh, which is amazing considering she's only written two novels. Um, She's received the Penn Faulkner Award, the Asian American Literary Award, the American Library Association Alex Award, France's Pre-Femina Étranger. (laughs) <laughs> Which is uh, or then there's the Arts and Letters Award in Literature from the American Academy of Arts and Letters, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and was a finalist for the National Book Award, the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, and the International P M P A C, or I think it's supposed to be IM, like I M P A C Dublin Literary Award. So who that's a mouthful save, of awards she's got there. Save some for the rest of us, right? Um, the book, uh, she did base the book on her own family history. So her grandfather was arrested by the FBI, suspected of being a spy the day after Pearl Harbor. Um, and then her mother, uncle, and grandmother spent three years in a prison camp in Topaz, Utah. So mm-hmm. it's in her inner history.
2: I will say, um, I I thank um, George Takei for... Actually, kind of bringing this more to light recently, he did a musical. He's been promoting a musical recently called *Allegiance* or we *Allegiant*, learned. and it that was based on his own time. Like because he, he's been open about this, that yeah. he was like three or four years old when the, when uh when he was when the attacks happened, and so he was like a little kid in the camps, and he had vivid memories of that time there, and he wants to talk about. It. He wants people to know that. You know, this was a thing. This did happen, and mm-hmm. we don't want to erase that history. His, his
3: autobiography is, I think, really fascinating. So, yeah, basically, from ages five to eight, or something like that, he he grew up in in uh, two different camps. One one was called Rower, I think, and I forget the name of the other one. But he goes into like really great detail about like, yeah, this is this is what it was like for us living in the camps. And I was like. That was the first time I'd ever heard about it like no no way in hell had I ever heard this in uh in history class. I was kind of kind of
2: shocked yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: meanwhile uh, I, this surprised. yeah meanwhile uh, we i this w- the weekend of this recording i it, the only new release was schindler's list twenty fifth anniversary oh gosh. so this is the perfect <laughs> weekend to talk about more concentration camps well,
1: to, today's the eighth yesterday was. Seventh. The seventh. That's, that's Pearl Harbor, right? I'm, I'm not right. With right. Pearl no, Harbor
2: uh, Day. Uh, I thought it was the, no. It's the ninth. Tomorrow will Is be uh, Pearl Harbor.
1: Oh wow!
0: I remember oh, this yeah.
2: day? I remember specifically because that's so like, timely. I, like did you pick that on gr-
0: purpose? <laughs> no. I, I, you know uh, I picked this forever ago. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Seriously, we were going to record this in November. No. Right. I, I remember Pearl Harbor because my grandpa died on the sixtieth anniversary of of the of the attack because it was the year that uh, it was 2001 the year that the really shitty michael bay movie came out oh, and God. so my grandpa died <laughs> like right after that so i blame michael bay for killing my grandpa the
3: the movie that wanted to be the next fucking titanic that movie is such hot garbage
0: uh, i believe sorry. i it was either my brother or me uh probably my brother no it yeah, may be uh, one of us Got extra credit if we went and saw that movie <laughs> in the theater. You got ripped off uh, and brought our ticket to like. Did our they give you teacher. money? Did you? Did, did it the was my brother. give you your money back? <laughs> no. Movie freaked me the fuck out. It was probably my brother. Yeah. I think I was a little uh, young.
2: Uh, so is there anything else uh, that we need to know about Julie before we go into the book?
0: Uh, not really. There wasn't much about her. Uh, she's a painter. Like she did a big uh, career in art, so um, I think that comes through in her writing. A little I think bit, a, but
2: we're gonna talk. We'll talk about it in the break. Yeah. But this is the second uh, painter turned writer that we've covered on the show, and I picked the uh,
0: other one too. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh,
2: we did not plan this out. Anyway, no. uh, I think we, we we'll take a quick break, mm-hmm. and when we come back, we'll actually talk about this. Really, really. It's a good, but sad book. Yep. Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and if you like movies, you'll probably like the Popcorn Junkie podcast. Every week, I review the movies that come out of theaters, talk a little bit about what I've been watching on streaming, and give discussions on Hollywood and filmmaking in general. So if you want to join in the discussion, you can find me on gumpycatnetworkscom popcorn junkie. Or just search Popcorn Junkie and find my orange mug staring at the movies, chomping on some popcorn, along with the Gumby Cat logo at the bottom for all the up-to-date podcasts and your podcast provider.
0: Are here to get into the nitty gritty. Our discussion questions. Uh, <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: depression. Make the jokes now.
0: It's gonna get really sad in a couple minutes. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so. yeah
2: horrible human atrocities.
0: So I mean, we kind of we kind of touched on this already, but I wanted to ask just to thank you, Truck. I just wanted to ask <laughs> when it was that you first actually learned about the detention of Japanese Americans. Um, some point in your life, whether it was school, whether it wasn't school, <laughs> and so I definitely think we, was
2: not school. Yeah, we heard
0: from Max a little bit there. Um, mine, yeah. mine personally, I think I stumbled upon. You know what? It, it might have been George Takei's Facebook page because I had been following that for a while, but I know it was definitely on Facebook. Um, it was one of those like newspapers that do the big um, photo journalism stories where they just post like they dump a ton of photos from an era um, mm. and you like, see how the people lived. Well, there was a lot of photos from like the camps. And I'm like, what the, fu- what the fuck? <laughs> like, the, how come I've never been told that this happened? Like, we did this, and you know, I was real confused. Like, well, surely this wasn't like the way it was in Germany. Like, it must have been. I mean, it's bad, but it couldn't have been that bad. This Could is what we have? did. You know, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was a real reckoning. I think, but I definitely yeah, didn't yeah. hear about it in school.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the sad part. Is that's the other thing too. Is that you want it in history. You make it. It makes it seem like oh, the North were the good people and they were very progressive and open-minded about race issues. And it's like n- n- nah, nah. It, it, we've always been bad. In fact, it, 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 I think it's the fact that we need we're coming to the realization that now with the age of the internet and the access to people, you know, to other people's writings and to the realization that mm-hmm. our textbooks are not as are, are more idealized than we would like them to be, mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is, if we want to actually, re, you know, learn from our, learn from our history, we have to actually know our history. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this is this is a part of it. This was a thing that happened, and we have to acknowledge that it happened.
0: Yeah, I think I think this uh, this particular historic event plus all of the misinformation that we had received growing up about the founding of our country and the you know issues with Native Americans and things yeah um Mm -hmm. I think that's like a huge like I don't I don't trust anything I've learned I don't think in school when it comes to history anymore just because Mm -hmm. of these types of things and I really think that needs to change uh, I yeah, tried absolutely. when I was teaching preschool. Uh, I tried to do that. I was like a Thanksgiving. I just taught about like how bad, <laughs> how there bad, like the Americans treated Native Americans. It was very positive. No exactly. pilgrims with buckles on their shoes. Pocahontas <laughs> was, like, I was wanna... actually
2: like twelve years old and had no actual relation with John Smith, and he was actually yeah. a yeah. perverted old oh. man. Yeah, it sad. seem like all I really
0: the the, all the Pocahontas may... movie. I was very sad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's uh, nice to pretend that that might have actually happened, but
0: no, yeah.
3: it didn't.
2: It's fu- it's, it's, cra- it's crazy to think that that's the one that Disney thought was going to be the big box office hit, not The Lion King. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Pocahontas is going to be us addressing our history, and it's going to be super serious. This is going to be our next Beauty and the Beast. And meanwhile, Lion King is like, eh, it's whatever. It's Hamlet and Bambi in Africa. Who cares? Bam- and then next thing you know, boom, just <laughs> massive... Success to the point. Yeah, that they're there's now, no a Broadway Pocahontas showing, musical, or a live action remake. Thankfully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I really hope that uh, as our generations growing up, and more and more of us are becoming teachers, that gets like, addressed in school. Because I think it's a huge like disservice, and the pro- yeah, injustice. The
2: thing is, you, <laughs> it, you have to demand it of the of the like the textbook publishers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. If anything you should have like professional historians being the ones writing the yeah. history textbooks rather than like mm-hmm. you know certain institutions that have a bias like the fact that most of our textbooks come from Texas and so you'll have <laughs> these people who have an agenda to erase or undercut certain aspects of our history in order to make themselves sound better it's like nah nah can we not
0: yeah like it's it's as a teacher it feels super shitty to tell kids, like, hey, our country isn't as great as we want it to be. But I think that's the only way that you can actually get, you know, people involved and engaged in, like, wanting to make the country better. And I think right. a lot of these fairy tales we tell kids helps feed, like, the apathy behind, like, not wanting to vote and, you know, all kinds of yeah. stuff.
2: Exactly. Or the idea, or <sighs> the disconnect between, like, we're the best country in the world. nah. There is no best country in the world because every country is a piece of shit in one way or another.
0: And I, right. I think, I think books like this book are a great way to start breaking the ice. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's get back on get topic. Back on I mean, I'm still on topic. It's like, slowly, well, you know, set the tone yeah, getting here. There. Getting around to it.
2: Yeah. Well, this is actually this is. I think we talked about this. This is actually our shortest book that we've covered, even shorter than Animal Farm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard because there's different different editions. My edition was a little longer than most, but some say it's ninety two pages. Mine was more like a hundred forty, but they're small pages with bigger writing. But it, I read it in an evening. I sat down, read the whole darn thing, just yeah, cover the, to cover.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, in order to catch up, uh, when we had our old really uh, old recording date, I, I borrowed the. Um, audiobook and that's like two hours whereas most audiobooks mm. are like almost pushing 10
0: mm-hmm. yeah um, so I think part of uh, part of what makes it an easy read um, even though it's length is very short is um, the fact that it's written in not a very sentimental way there's very right. little loaded emotions in the story it's more like this is what's happening. Like it's not from the like, perspective. Like the end
3: chapter is is more like a straight up journal entry, and I think, I think it would have been interesting if if the book was all that. But also, I think it it would have taken away from like, just the facts.
0: Yeah. So with it with it not being um, written in an emotional, sentimental way, um, what did that particular tone and method of writing it? What did that do for you? How did you experience it?
2: I. I like I liked what I read. It's just yeah, like I feel like I could read uh Julia Yotsuka's writing you know for you know for even longer just because it was so easy to like there's there's a there's a thing that um uh what's it? I'm forgetting its name. Uh shit. Uh um he was a contemporary of Ernest Hemingway. Did <laughs> I could not remember Ernest Hemingway's name, but basically <laughs> Ernest Hemingway had an ideology when it came to writing, which is people should not have to look up the words in the dictionary to understand what you're saying. And I feel like Otsuka's writing is very it's, it's easy to pick up without it sounding like a without it sounding like a children's level. Because that's the thing, Hemingway is not kids lit, but it's. Something that anybody without a for, you know who doesn't have like a formalized education in English grammar and 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 have a extensive vocabulary could pick up and read without a problem, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the same with this. Yes, yeah. it's quick. It's a quick and easy read, and apparently, the, what was this? Um, was this in somebody's book club or is that one of the previous books?
0: Um, I mean, uh, I only got her bio book from book. her website, uh, and then like Wikipedia just had stuff from her website too. So. Uh, I didn't hear about it being on a book club. I'm oh, sure no, no, it was no,
2: though. No, I was like, I was like, I'm still on the Alice Network, and how that was in the Reese Witherspoon book, <laughs> book club, and that's why we couldn't get copies of it. This was thankfully not as big of a problem.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I I kind of felt like when I was reading it that it kind of felt like um when you hear someone talking about an event that they want to get past emotionally, but they know that it can't be forgotten; else, it'll happen again. If that makes any sense. So, like, the the the, the speaker is emotionally detached, but it, they're also trying to, to 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 bring home the importance of the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um. So, like, like he's, uh, like Melody said, it's not very emotionally charged but and it's sometimes emotionally charged stuff is just very draining to read although although that one bit in the very first chapter was holy crap i had to put the book down for yeah this, right for a yeah. yeah this yeah. movie
2: has a john wick opening mm-hmm. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oof.
2: Now, that came right the hell out of nowhere meanwhile the other pet that that they have to get take care of is just like nah, nah shoot shoo, go away. Yeah,
1: why release? Why wait while and... you can, little bird?
2: <laughs> yeah, why not be like, hey, dog, go be a street dog now? Like, I, 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 like, or could like couldn't you put? I guess because they were Japanese, they wouldn't take the dog or something. Well, so they the said dog... it was
0: blind, so I imagine
2: like, okay. old and blind, yeah. nobody
0: would have wanted it. Like they gave the cat away right but cats like neighbor. can take care of themselves dogs are a lot of work plus it was like and a special especially if it's needs. a senior dog <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah
2: that's the, yeah it's but basically uh we open with uh i forget her, what's our main character's name the, they, they don't, don't
1: have they don't have names that's names. another thing that i like that's so weird. Oh, yeah. that's the next yeah. question I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i kind of i really liked that like at first it was it was. It was irritating because, you know, we read things and we expect there to be names. We need names to, to, to label these characters. And, but then it kind of opened it up to being more like the everyman experience. Like,
2: mm-hmm. this is you. This is happening to you and your family right now.
1: Yeah. And, like, it, it's not like this happened to one specific family that you could put this, like, you could insert George Takei's family into this. You could insert. Any and like they didn't even really give age ranges on the kids, right? Did they? I think they gave like no, they, grade did. There was, or something. they were but eight and eleven.
0: No,
2: uh, I thought they were eight and 14 or something like
1: something that. Something like that. The, oh. the kids were,
2: yeah, yeah she like, was I think 14 the girls, like, when early... they
0: grew up, I believe. Okay, yeah, after that's a it. while, that's
2: what it was. Yeah, she was 14 afterwards. So, yeah, this was they were like they were young kids, um, mm-hmm. when they what at the beginning of the book, like elementary school age kids,
1: yeah. So, like, it, it gave it more of a um, impartial, like, this happened to everybody. Like, the same, more or less, the same story happened to, to, to all of these people. And it, it uh, kind of helped with the, the, the emotional detachment part. Mm. While also ramming home the kind of magnitude of it, yeah, yeah,
2: I think it. I think if it was too emotionally like that's the thing. Have comparing this to after watching rewatching Schindler's List, Schindler's List is very emotionally charged. He uh, Spielberg is hitting home every chance he gets that the, the magnitude of the situation. Whereas Julia Otsuka's writing is more like, like this is how it was, matter of fact. And so I think. I think that's what I think that's what helps you to really take it in because then you're not uh, taking because then it's not like melodramatic or over the top because mm. that's the thing. Schindler's List there are a bunch of points where it almost felt melodramatic and over the top given with some of the performances and the writing, but uh-huh. at the same point, and like the music. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it's but it's never cloying. You know, it's never mm-hmm. like a really bad drama where it's like it's really trying too hard. Like Pearl Harbor to play mm-hmm. up the mm-hmm. drama and here it's like it's not playing up anything it's like it's almost like yeah it's almost like your grandpa's retelling you a story and it's just like look here's how it was kid I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and you know try to play it up or anything I'm not telling you a bedtime story I'm telling you my, what happened to my life this was my life kid
0: mm-hmm. Yeah one one thing about the um, lack of emotion written in the book is that it kind of just leaves it up to the reader to feel the emotion themselves instead of being told oh, yeah. how to feel. And one interesting idea I had about it is that, I mean, the the Japanese-American community has been feeling the aftershocks of this pain for so, so long. Um, it seems like it's time to pass on that pain to someone else now. And I think by keeping it... Um, not telling us how to feel we end up feeling the pain more acutely and now that the pain of that experience is now distributed and shared and we can feel like a guilt and a, a shame about it um and you can look at it in a different way so it's not just you know oh well this is just something that happened to japanese people um yeah that's yeah. kind of an yeah, interesting is, yeah. feeling i had about it reading it like yeah okay. I, I
3: agree that's really that's really smart
0: like it, this feels like my history. This feels like something I need to be concerned with now. It's exactly. not someone yeah. else's.
2: Well, especially right now, as yes, we're talking, because sure. <laughs> apparently we learned not a goddamn thing after sixty years. Uh, anyway, um, I will say uh, the parallel. I mean, Ultica does not shy away from the parallels between the Japanese internment, and the Jewish internment camps in Germany, because there were definitely multiple parallels. Like, specifically, I remember, as they were traveling, they had to close the blinds, and there was one night where they were traveling, and someone just threw a brick through the window of the train, just because... They were the enemy. They were the, they were the, they they were all considered the enemy. And like people, like while they were going down the street, even before the internment camp, it's like, you japper or a, or a chink. And it's like, Jesus, Mm -hmm. this was us. This was our grandparents and great grandparents and Mm -hmm. great uncles. And these were the people, these were, these were Americans treating fellow Americans like they did something wrong. Gee, it's almost like we haven't learned a goddamn thing and in... Oh, fuck. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, that's why it's... Uh, like you said, it's so important to tackle this, because if we don't acknowledge that it happened...
1: We'll get someone like Trump. Oh, shit.
2: Ah, fuck. Ammo. <laughs> uh, this is why it's important to be informed and vote, kids. God damn it. Uh. <laughs>
3: Register to vote, or you're not allowed to listen to this podcast anymore. Seriously.
2: <laughs>
0: Um, For realsies. Yeah, like, we'll we'll kind of snake back around to the whole issue with the characters. None of the main characters having names. Like, there are some side people that are like, oh, this is Mr. Tanaka, and this is Mr. Whoever. Um, Mm -hmm. They had some names,
2: but our protagonists, our main family, we
0: kind of followed each one of them a little bit. The daughter less so, but mainly the son and the mom, I think the most. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't Mm -hmm. have names. Um we came up with a few reasons for why we think this might be why what purpose we think it serves. What else? What else do we got out there?
2: Um I have idea- yeah, I, I have
0: ideas.
2: Uh yeah, just I think what Dex was saying with the enable the, the ability to insert that this is happening to your family, the or to a family, doesn't matter like if if Adding a name almost distances yourself from the character and to an extent because it's like, oh, that's that character. Whereas if you're – by being within the mind of this nameless person, it's almost like you're self you're, – it's almost self-insertion in a way. Where it's like, oh, this is me. This is Mike's brother. This is my mom. This is our family. This is that. This is happening to. Mm-hmm. And I like that approach. Where, whereas you could easily make it like, here's this fictional woman who didn't really exist, but this, she is the amalgamation of all the people's that, that, that they do that in biopics all the time, where they'll take, you know, supporting minor supporting characters from a person's life and just just p- make a giant Play-Doh ball. Out of well, those people's lives in order to make an amalgam character to serve a point,
1: kind of like what they did with uh, Evelyn Gardner in in the Alice Network, because I read some of the, uh, the 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 afterwards of that, and they, uh, I swear to God, this this is actually related, but um, the character of Eve was um, kind of, like she was just a completely made up amalgamation of. The authors' uh, research into these spirals and everything like that, but based off of um, the woman who actually was arrested with uh, Lily. So um, we kind of contrast that against uh, against this story, and it's interesting because it's kind of talking about similar time time frames here. we have a thing for World War Two, apparently. <laughs>
2: right, it's a big. It's a big I th- deal. I think. Yeah. I
3: think society has a thing for World War Two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's Stacy's like favorite era to study. Anyways, but you kind of compare and contrast that, like with um, when the emperor was divine is more anonymous, more kind of, um, almost, you almost feel like it diffuses itself into. The entirety of the experience where in the Alice Network, it's easier to kind of distance yourself from the whole thing because, you know, that character is made up and, you know, some of the situations were fabricated. The more anonymous feels more immediate and more real.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost um, I would call it like voyeuristic. Like a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It's like we're there, and we're just watching, and we can't do anything to stop it, but we're there, and we know it's happening, we're aware, and we just have to watch it happen. (laughs) Exactly. It has a little more of a... It's weird, like it's more personal, but at the same, it's more impersonal, and so you get this feel that, you know, this isn't even just one family, this is very possibly so many families. This is a large group of people you can apply this experience to. So, you know, I I also think the namelessness helps um, distance us from othering the Japanese people. Um, Their names are very iconically, uh, you can tell when you read a Japanese name that it's a Japanese name. I think if they all had names, especially being more, there was a lot more first generation um, back then, there, there would have been a lot more. Uh, traditionally japanese names out there mm-hmm. uh in fact a lot of them were talking about switching to things like ted and whatever instead of henry and whatnot. what they had been doing so i think that helps distant distancing distancing us from othering um allows us to see this as our own family like it's kind of what we said Um, I think the voyeurism helps makes it feel more realistic. Like if we were there, we wouldn't know these people's names. So we feel like Mm -hmm. we're on that train with them. We're sitting there. Oh, well, there's a woman there. She's with two kids. The young kid went and did this. The young girl went and did this. I'm watching this happen. Um, Yeah. And then I think also at the same time, it also leaves room for prejudice too, by leaving them nameless. So it, it, it's, it almost seems genius i feel like it's allowing us to empathize but also um if you still harbor a prejudice or a bias against this group of people there's still room for you to feel that and confront it by leaving them nameless right. it's not so personal that you just push it away it's crazy yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah um i think what got me especially was the mundanity of it all like the fact that you had these american soldiers who just thought that you know keeping these people in camps was like yeah this is just you know what we're doing hey ted how's your how's your sister doing and it's like the idea that it, it was just it was just eh, this is what it is i mean it's how like a lot of them got through it it was just live live in the moment just so you can make it make your way out but the fact that nobody like nobody involved was like are you sure we're doing the right thing? Like, right, we're not. We're like not hearing any that...
3: of the, the perspectives of of the staff or the soldiers. We're just this is this is a family that that this is happening to, and we right. we don't but, know what anyone else is thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly, but I mean, even that, even so far as like we never really get to the idea that anybody thought that what they were doing was bad. It was just like this. It, this is. This is this is normal. This is normal. This is the new normal, and it's like this. You know, you, you you almost want to scream to yourself. This isn't normal. We shouldn't be doing this, but nobody says anything. You know, you feel like
0: you're taking crazy pills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh,
2: cop, pop culture references and serious discussions. <laughs> anyway, um,
3: I feel like that's an appropriate reference, though. Yeah,
2: this is yeah um I also say I don't know if we want to jump ahead to the dad, but when he enters the story that was especially heartbreaking oh, yeah. to witness what had happened to him
1: yeah
2: mm. like he has been changed so much by his arrest and by oh. his internment that the kids don't even recognize him like this is not our father this this is this is a stranger that our mom that our mom's in love with he, we do not we do not know this man and like they remember this affable really fun loving kind of character, kind of per- personality that helped that like told them silly stories and always was always playing around with them and then after the internment after the war you he's he's clearly suffering from some kind of post traumatic stress mm-hmm. that he's never that he's just he's he sits by himself and i think he has night terrors if i'm not mistaken or mm-hmm. and it's just like he's completely been broken by, the, by his whole experience that we never really get to know about. Mm. And he never really talks about it either. So we only really know the mom and the kids' experience. Because that's the other thing, too, is that all their communication was censored out. Yeah, and like mundane, like once again, even just regular things would be censored out. Not anything that might be like things that were culturally sensitive, like things that per- pertain to their heritage, were censored out. But then, like random words would also be censored out. Like, what, what would be? What is the point of? At that, at what point are you just like fucking with these people?
0: Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> but. That kind of um, leads us into, I want to talk about just the title of the book. So, When the Emperor Was Divine. Um, I mean, I can go into the, the, the myth, the creation myth of Japan. So, we can kind of get a little bit of a, just very, very brief. Um, the emperors of Japan are believed to be descended from Amaterasu, who is descended from the two gods that created the... Uh, islands of japan the islands the archipelago um and then those two are directly descended from the creator of the universe um so that's kind of where we get this idea of emperor's divinity and there was a lot of um uh it's mainly a materasu worship but then that ended up being transferred to the emperors too and the emperor is a huge uh figurehead in japan for Uh, shinto not as much now but it's still there among the older population in japan it's uh and among japanese nationalists it's a huge point of contention um Mm -hmm. the the imperial family in japan is a hot button thing a very interesting thing to learn about um they're actually forbidden by law to worship the emperor i believe it's in their constitution um as part of something that the u.s had to negotiate with them as part of the ending of the war yeah um yeah so they're technically not allowed to do it (laughs) which is kind of zany considering how much uh we believe in freedom of religion and things so it's it's a very intense weird thing to kind of butt butt your head up against um and that's kind of the other reason I picked this book is that the title was so provoking to me. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on, on like the title and how it is involved with the story and how you think maybe on a deeper level it other... connects with the characters.
2: That's the other thing, too, is that they 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 acknowledge what's going on in Japan at the time because so many of them are like first-generation um immigrants, that they still have connections over in Japan, and they hear uh, the concession thing where Emperor Hirohito actually st- like, I-, I don't know if he, I don't remember if he steps down, but he definitely declares his mortality, and he kind of, uh, you know, the whole thing of like, the Emperor, this, the World War Two kind of broke that um, idea that the Emperor was this divine figurehead um, descended from the gods, because then, because that, because they lost because they lost so horrifically and then the U.S. basically made essentially made Hirohito acknowledge to his people that I am I'm a mortal man I am not as divine as I proclaim to be and I think that's also part of why so many future generations have no real connection to the idea of the imperial family because much like with with the UK and how their figureheads are just that their royal family is just there to essentially um be there as figureheads, as, like, remnants of a, law, of a bygone age that mm-hmm. what, you know, the idea that these people were anointed by, you know, some higher power is almost laughable to them, because you know the history of, like, well, they lost, and so they have to, they have to accept their mortality, and so you, you almost wonder why they're there at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, right. like, the way this whole thing was handled makes me wonder about things, like, with Iran, because there's a similar uh, leadership there with like the ayatollah and it just right. sets a precedent that i think i don't know fascinates me sorry i'm, d- I'm digressing again from the book the book no no it's <laughs> it, it is it's in
3: an appropriate comparison to make i think and i don't know if it's too late to put persepolis
2: on our list but <laughs> four to six weeks later hi hi readers um surprise we we, we goofed <laughs> oops my computer broke. I had to stop all the downloading.
3: We done
2: this. I, I I goofed. So we we had that. As we're now recording into it already in twenty nine with twenty nineteen already in progress.
0: <laughs> we started like Greetings from ahead. the future. And he it goes, what December seventh. We're exactly a month after mm-hmm. our first recording. Pretty after much. finding John's audio in a hidden location on his computer exactly. that we thought we had lost forever.
2: Yay. Yay. Thanks, thanks GarageBand, <laughs> for, you know, you know, like, saved backups. All right. Yeah, so, uh, so, so we with...
0: were able to salvage the uh, discussion. However, we might have a different energy coming back to it as we do our wrap-up and um, our verdicts on the book.
2: Cool. Yeah. Uh, and this time, we uh, Dex was not able to... Make it out uh, today, so it'll be just the three of us, and then Dex should be able to join us for the next episode.
0: Indeed. Right. All right. So, shall I start with the verdicts? Go for it. I think so. Okay. Um, so, I really liked this book. Um, anytime a book is short yet poignant is a is a good thing. When you have a little bit of space, but it makes the most impact. I find that that does wonders. Like, long books are great, you, you know, you have a lot of room for developing the world and the characters and, you know, a lot of drama, but sometimes that's not needed, and I think this book was a really great balance of um, just being able to do so much and so little, and I enjoyed the quickness, I enjoyed the subject matter, you know, not the morality of it per se, but um, this period of time has always fascinated me in the way that it gets erased from our history these days. Um, it was really nice visiting it and seeing um, it being like a tribute to the people um, being written for it uh, in the modern day. I think it's good to look back at it and have a good a good book to go and see that this event actually did happen. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it was short enough I'll probably come back to it at some point. I don't think it would be a problem for me to revisit and reread it, so I would recommend it and read it again.
1: Cool. Hmm.
3: Um. I, I. I'm trying to remember what I said uh, during our <laughs> last session, but um. Yeah, I I I first picked this up like really like, it it could have been I think it was in middle school, when I when I first read this for for a class and it really hit hard for me because obviously at that point i hadn't heard anything about this point in history so it was really eye opening in that way um but i also think it's important like don't just read a fictional story about it even if it 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 closely matches like what actually went on it would it would help to like actually read 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 up on your history about it. Um, so this is a good jumping off point if if you want to really like hit home and hit hard. But um, don't don't just stop there. Like really really learn more about this time in history if if you are reading this book.
2: All right, and then uh, Dick sent me his thoughts. Uh, overall, he thought the book was very powerful. Uh, he we don't learn much about. Uh, the Japanese-American internment camps because it was embarrassing. The way the story was written draws the reader in and also gives a kind of anonymity to the story that makes makes you feel like this set of events happened countless times to countless people. Uh, he would recommend it as a way to better understand that part of our history. Uh, however, he himself will probably not read it again. And I can understand why. it's a It's a hard one to pick up mm-hmm.
3: a little mm-hmm. too real yeah
2: <laughs> um and then diana was not able to read through it but as for me i i this was i, I like the succinctness of it, it. didn't draw itself out mm-hmm. but with it even within how short it was it packs a lot of punch and it's really just a, a heartbreaker to kind of w- bear witness to and so i would definitely recommend it to people especially if you have the stomach to want to learn more about this sort of uh point uh, this point in our history but i can understand if you're not you know not exactly keen on doing it but i do think it's important to at least pick up some stories about it even if they're somewhat fictional but and then work your way into understanding the the truth of it all and as for me i probably won't Read it again unless it's you know, unless a couple until a couple years go by, give it some time to sink in, and then if I feel the need to kind of revisit the story, I would pick it up again and I would definitely tell people to check it out.
0: Woo-hoo. Awesome. All right. Well then with that, um come see us on social media. <laughs> we are on you can send book oh. suggestions, you can send anything to Living in the Stacks cast at gmail dot com um we're up on pretty much everything facebook at living in the stacks twitter at in the stacks cast instagram at living in the stacks tumblr uh i don't know if we're still doing tumblr but if we are living in the stacks podcast (laughs) um i'd like also thank magdalene rose for our channel artwork exactly um they're on at the magdalene rose on twitter and super princess tea party on youtube and we'd like to thank Dream States for our theme song. You can check them out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and anywhere else music is streamed. Um, and
2: then, uh, yeah. do we want to before you close out? All, st- no, stupid phone call. Uh, <laughs> interrupting the podcast. Uh, do we want to tell them what we're doing next week? Yes, next month. Actually. Yes, next
3: month. We are doing Fever. What's the name of this?
2: Seventeen ninety three.
3: Fever seventeen ninety three by
2: Laurie Halse Anderson.
3: Yes. Yes, you know you know my book better than me, John. <laughs>
2: I'm just I, I'm I already had the bliss pulled up in case okay. one of us forgot.
3: Okay. Um, but yeah, this one's my pick and it is about the yellow fever epidemic in nineteen seventy or in seventeen ninety three in Philadelphia.
0: Nice. So we be, have that to look forward to fun. next month. Mhm. All right, um can you find me on Twitter at, at Mini @minikui.
3: M I N I K
0: U I. Yep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um you can follow me on Twitter at M A X O L O T L 67.
2: Uh Dex has wisely stayed off of the social media unless otherwise specified. He, he is not a public figure uh for the most part. Uh but I'm over uh I'm still on the Popcorn Junkie podcast uh which I as of this episode well a couple of episodes back uh, I did my end of the year lists for 2018 list of my favorite least favorite that, that sort of thing and then you know January is is basically a dumping ground for movies so I just watched Escape Room.
3: Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So yeah, nothing good's gonna come out for the next month or so, unless it's like a carryover from the last from last year. But yeah, and then
3: just, um, just go see Spider Man or, or Bumblebee, something fun. Don't don't exactly, weigh yourself, please, down Please this go
2: support Spider Man. Yeah. The fact that Into the Spider Verse is not is making a fraction of what Venom made is is very disheartening. It is. But at any rate, uh, uh, most of my other podcast stuff is on hold for the time being. Uh, Mike is still. Uh, Recovering from the fires in California, I still need to get in touch with Vanessa, Bob, fan of the podcast, where we still get likes for the page, so people are still listening to us, even though we haven't released an episode in almost a year.
1: Wow. <laughs>
2: and so, yeah, and then we're you know once again we're going to be moving to a monthly schedule. So uh, stay tuned for us in February on February fifteenth for uh, Fever seventeen ninety three. Awesome.
0: <laughs> All right, then until next time, you'll find us living in the stacks.
3: Hi, Ray. Hi. Yay.